Hello, this is Brian McCormick, welcoming you to another edition of the Leadership Podcast Series from the Resource for Leaders, leadernetwork.org. Our National Leader of the Month is William Pollard. He is the Chairman Emeritus of ServiceMaster, a multi-billion dollar company, and twice served as the company's CEO. He is the author of The Soul of the Firm, and also Serving Two Masters, Reflections on God and Profit. In his past, he has also been a college professor at Wheaton College in Illinois. William Pollard has grounded his great leadership success in a solid philosophy centered on faith and integrity. Mr. Pollard and I spoke, and he responded to questions about his advice for aspiring leaders, his thoughts on leadership books, his most admired leaders, and also his own significant personal experiences as they pertain to leadership. Excerpts from our conversation follow. Is there a favorite quote that you've used before? I think if I was to summarize what I've said often as it relates to leadership is that as I view it, the measurement is not in monetary terms. The measurement is uh, in the changed lives of people being led. Sure. Okay. What about a favorite book? I don't have a favorite book. I read a lot of books. Okay. <laughs> the, the book I try to read the most is the Bible. Sure. How about books that you would recommend for aspiring leaders? Are there any books that jump to mind that you think would be a great starting point? I mean, today, Brian, you can go into a bookstore and guess where most of the sh- most of the shelves of selling books is on leadership. Sure. I mean, they're 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 there. Uh, so there's so many of them. If I start picking them, I found a lot of good ones. Obviously, for example, Max Dupree's book Leadership is an Art is a is a fine, small, simple book that has a lot of good information in it. Um, Peter Drucker was a personal friend of mine. I've read most of his works, but, you know, he's probably got 50 books out there sure. on management and leadership. So I, I don't look at a favorite one on leadership. There's a lot I've written, there's a lot I've, uh, I've tried to learn from the example of Jesus Christ in leadership. I, I can't give you one book or two books. Sure. No. Oh, that's fine. And you mentioned Peter Drucker, and I noticed on the, the Drucker Institute website, that you were involved there. Now, is that something that you still are actively involved with at all? Yes. Okay. Yes. And what what sorts of things are you doing or is the Institute doing? Could you talk a little bit about that at all? It's basically uh, there to promote, uh, continue to promote Drucker principles that are reflected in his writings in a variety of different ways. It has symposiums. It has... It has an archives which reflects uh, not only Drucker's published work, but uh, letters that Drucker's have written to people on, on comments. So you can you can research some of Drucker's um, thinking in in the archives uh, that are that are there. So it's a combination of of developing programs and also having presentations and having available scholars who want to write on uh, Drucker work. Okay, great. What about a current personal passion that you have? You know, my my passions are related to, at this point, I just came back from Africa 
uh, where I spent three weeks uh, working with uh, projects that our family is supporting, both in microfinance banks and in relief for work with two organizations, Opportunity International and Samaritan's Purse. Okay. So I have a passion for the people that uh, find themselves in uh, circumstances a lot less fortunate than I have had in my life. So um, I have a passion to help uh, in that regard, uh, both in what I've learned in management and leadership and also in whatever resources I have to contribute. Okay. Could you make a statement at all about how, through your experience going down there and what you have witnessed here in America, do you think enough is being done by those of us living in America to address or help to address some of the concerns that are existing down in Africa? Well, a lot is being done, more is being done by Americans than any other single group in the world. Okay. So that is uh, a great tribute to the spirit of Americans, I think. Uh, On the other hand, it is um, what is being done is a drop in the bucket as to what needs to be done. How to effectively get done what needs to be done involves the governments of Africa as much as the governments or the people outside of Africa. Okay. And corruption is rampant in Africa. And corruption limits what can be done on a macro basis. So... Most of us that are doing things over there are done on a micro basis uh, because you can't, you cannot do things on a macro basis to solve issues of poverty, uh, health care, or infrastructure, roads, and so forth without um, a basically honest governmental structure. Okay. And it's not there. It's a dilemma. <laughs> so. Sure. I I just read this uh, book, Left to Tell, um, about the Rwandan uh, genocide. and uh, I mean, what a powerful book that was. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. But Wayne Dyer promotes that book because he has a relationship with the author. I mean, it was just such an amazing book. And I I imagine if you just got back from Africa, you you really have uh, some, some mental images that those of us, like myself, who haven't been to Africa find it hard to grasp. It's a difficult thing to witness the results of poverty. There's no question about it. Sure. If asked to describe your dream, would that be go along the same lines as your personal passion, or would you have any different thoughts concerning a dream? Well, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know what you mean concerning a dream. I mean, I, if you use the word vision... Uh, I think vision is a very important thing for a leader. I'm not sure dreaming is important for a leader. Oh, I like it. I like that distinction. How about a place in the world that you either most like to visit or would most like to visit? I've done a lot of global travel, and I've certainly enjoyed my experience in Africa in many respects. Uh, it is a beautiful country in, in many respects, a beautiful continent. But I enjoy London, and I enjoy uh, Japan. Those are two places that uh, I've spent a lot of time in. Uh, maybe that's why I, I know them more than maybe any other places in the world, because I've spent a lot of time in both places. Okay. What do you think are some of the experiences that have been most vital to your development in becoming the person that you are today? Here I am, 69 years old, so I mean, there's a whole cumulative 
experiences, um, uh, both experiences relating to those I've been privileged to be mentored by, uh, experiences relating to adversity I've had to face from time to time in life. My relationship with my wife for 48 years has been an important experience in developing and molding me. My personal relationship and faith, uh, commitment to uh, Jesus Christ has been a very important molding part of my life. I, so, you know, there's a whole, there's not just any, just one experience that I can, it's been a, it's been a process, which I think it is for most people. Sure, definitely. Are there any significant turning points that, as you look back, that you would focus on that, that oh boy, this was really a, a positive turning point for me, or this, this was a person that I ran across um, in my life that really kind of changed my thinking um, this was a job that I got that changed everything for me. Are, are there any particular turning points you mentioned, your wife? Well, I mean, certainly there was a series of turning, there was various turning points. A turning points when I was 18, when my father died, okay. and a uh, turning point when uh, when I got married at 21, a turning point when um, I went to law school, a turning point when I started my first job in a law firm. Turning point uh, when I was very ill with uh, with an ulcer when I was 33. Turning point when I left the practice of law and, and went and uh, uh, was a professor and college administrator at Wheaton College. Uh, turning point when I went to service master. You know, those are those are just some of the turning points. Um, uh, if I can look at specific times, uh, they were all turning points in my life. Sure. Now, when you bring up your experience working in a college as compared to your experience leading this large organization and company, I'm just curious about what the difference is, if you could talk a little bit about that. Is there any any distinction you can draw between those two? Well, they were two different environments, so, um, you know, they had their differences. I, I, I don't remember really many things that I've done that I haven't enjoyed. Okay. So, you know, each situation has its own uh, opportunities, challenges, and difficulties. Uh, certainly, a academic environment is much different than a business environment. So they they have different they have different characteristics. But it's not one was something I didn't like, and the other I loved, or something like that. I I enjoyed both, and yet there were difficulties in both, uh, and they were different. Uh, there's no question they were different. Okay. If you had to give some advice to aspiring leaders, what would that be? Well, I guess I would, and I'd borrow this from Drucker. He he reminded people that leadership is only a means. To what end is the is the real question? Hmm. So um, what he was saying there is that leadership is really not all about the leader. It's more about the people who follow and the direction they're going. Sure. So if you're talking about and that and that looking at it that way is you you, you look at leadership different than looking at the leader. Right. And you know so much is written about leadership addressing the leader. Well, um, leadership goes so much beyond that the, the personalizing it because when you personalize it. It begins to you begin to identify all those things, characteristics, things that the leader wants, and so forth. You're all you're all focused on the leader, when the real issue is is the people who follow in the direction they're going. 
And that's the leader's responsibility. And Drucker went on to say that a leader has only one choice to make, to lead or mislead. Hmm. Which means that really puts the nail down on the issue that leadership is a responsibility. And your responsibility is to the people who follow. Max Dupree referred to it as a posture of indebtedness. You owe money, you in effect like owing money to the people who follow. Hmm. If you don't, if you're not leading them in the right direction, if you're not providing for their development and growth, uh, if they're not becoming more in who they can become as a result of your leadership, you're failing. Hmm. Not leading, you're failing. It really puts the focus on what leadership, in my judgment, is all about. It is also raises the whole principle which Jesus was trying to teach his disciples when he washed their feet. It's not about me, it's about you. Sure. Those were the people that were going to have to carry his message and build a church. He wasn't going to be around to do it. Right. So um, what he was telling them is, as you go out and do that, it's going to be about the people who follow you, not just you. It's not about me as I wash your feet. It's about you. And the reason I'm giving you that message is because it really isn't about you. It's about the people who are going to follow you. <laughs> right. You better, know, you better know where you're going and why you're going there and why it's important for people to follow. And if you as an individual don't know that uh, as part of your leadership responsibility, I don't think you're going to be an effective leader. So anyway, that's that's a little sermon for you. <laughs> I like that. And I, am, I, I know you can't generalize because every person is different. But I'm going to ask you to anyway. <laughs> Can you make a comment about how do you think, in general, we're doing here in America as far as people embracing that and understanding that notion of leadership? Well, I, I'll respond to you this as I think it needs to be more widely presented and publicized. Um, I think it's more unique than uh, generally talked about. And uh, so um, I think there's a lot of room yet to. Uh, have this understood in the whole leadership concept of how we look at leadership in the world or in America. What about if you had to pick out a, a most admired leader or a few most admired leaders, and you've kind of referenced a few, so I'm assuming th- those might be some of them. Could you talk a little bit about your most admired leaders? I think certainly uh, Billy Graham would be one of the ones that I would uh, put in that list okay. along I've already mentioned Jesus Christ, obviously. I'll start there. But but um, in his own way, Peter Drucker was a leader. Very few people would describe C.S. Lewis as a leader. Are you familiar with C.S. Lewis, the writer? Yes. But just think, of the, just think of the lives he has touched with a pen. Sure. Never, never leaving his writing room except with a pen and a page. So I think he can lead in all different ways. We, we normally think of a leader standing up in front of people or having a title or position. Leadership is accomplished in many different ways. Sure. My favorite question, we all have a story, what is yours? In other words, I'm driving at a couple of the questions you raised at the beginning of the soul of the firm. Yeah, I, think, I, think, I think my story relates to a story that, that I have often repeated is, is the lesson I learned when I first joined Service Master. And uh, my my first uh, eight weeks in the company was not doing the job of senior vice president, except in the evening. During the day, I was out doing the work that our service workers did. 
that that was a great great experience for me, and I learned many lessons about about uh, the emotions and understanding of people who do service work, mundane tasks, and how the design of the job and the um, training can motivate motivate those people and also add to their dignity and worth if done right, and uh, how those people should be treated by a firm that employs them uh, and by people who want to lead them. So. Um, that was that was a wonderful experience for me. Mopping, mopping floors and cleaning toilets. <laughs> well, terrific. Well, I, I appreciate your time today, Mr. Pollard. It's been a real pleasure visiting with you here for a few minutes. Good. Enjoyed what you had to share. That concludes the podcast with National Leader of the Month, William Pollard. Come back next month for another edition of the Leadership Podcast Series from Leader Network dot org